In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. My brothers and sisters, as we approach closer to Lent, the church brings before us a series of images. And we've come to the second, well, depending on how you count it, maybe the third, if we count Zacchaeus Sunday, images that give us what it is that we are approaching, the spiritual task and the spiritual attitude or disposition that we're supposed to have as we enter into Great Lent. And the story of the prodigal son, which is really the story of actually two brothers, of two sons and two different ways that we can be mistaken about our Father's gifts and our relation to our Father in heaven. For this parable is really nothing other than showing us what our Father in heaven is like and how so often we don't relate to him correctly. And it's showing us two different ways that we relate to him that we can take up and that we find ourselves in and repent of. So today I want to focus on those two presentations in the parable of our relationship to the Creator that may be mistaken, that may be at variance with how our God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to relate to Him and how He relates to us. It is none other than us, His creatures, His children, relating to our Creator, our, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is abundantly generous in this parable. His, he's caring. He is overflowing with love. He is not jealous or prideful or withholding. Rather, he gives us all, he gives us, for we are one of these two brothers, he gives us all that we are and all that we have. He is welcoming and watchful over us. The brothers, though, they are us who are, they give us the virtues. The Father gives his virtues to them. One of the Son even asks to have his reward early. And in the meager ways that we may approach the likeness of God, we will never be like the Father in the fullness of his generosity, his care, and his love. Some of us go and wander through life using up all that he has given us, all that we are, on vain things, on temporary things, while others work and appear perfect sons and daughters on the outside, yet within themselves they are little different from the prodigal son and their prideful insistence on their own way of doing things and wanting their own way. Saint Nikolai, who we quote often and you hear of often, says this of the first son of the prodigal. When a man is without love, he finds himself in a maze of paths and rushes one way or the other. And I believe we can add about the second son to Saint Nikolai's words. When a man works without love, simply for a personal reward, he finds himself unable to rejoice with others and shuts himself out of the common celebration and joy of the heavenly banquet. Both the prodigal, before his repentance, and the son who stays at all times there in his father's fields, they are very, there's very little difference between them. Both are unlike their father before the prodigal, before his repentant state, and the son, unfortunately, remains so. 
But let us look a little further into the two brothers. The prodigal brother, what is he? He's impatient and prideful. He chooses his own way to pursue pleasures of the flesh and squanders all that he is into things that will not love him back or ever care for him in return. He takes all that he has inherited, all the property that his father says, go and take it, do what you will. And in his immature state, he goes and does whatever he wants. With no thought to the future, no thought to what it is that he is doing, but to the little pleasure that he may gain from squandering his property. The fathers teach us that he presents to us, he is the presentation to us of how we waste our God-created gifts, our free will and all of our energy on things that always leave us wanting more, always leave us in want. This drives us to despair, to wanting to find some way out of this cycle. But we can't by whatever we have already chosen. What comes to mind is that famous phrase from, I believe it's Einstein, that madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting this, a different result. So not even death can be the exit for us because that just solidifies us on the trajectory, on the path that we are already on. But we need a different way. And this is what the prodigal son is to us. The prodigal son needs to make that different choice. And at the realization that it needs to be something different that he does, the scriptures say he comes to himself. He comes back from being scattered about all these things, scattering his mind, his energies, all of his property, all that he has on these things that can't give back to him. And he comes to himself and he tells himself, I will do something different. I want to be different. I will again devote what my father has given me, who I am, to him. I at least know he will provide for my needs if I do so. And he journeys back to his father. But that working brother, he is a slightly different thing. He is jealous and prideful. He has given his free will and energy to his father's fields and his household. Yes, he has worked for him but he has not become like his father. He is unable to share in the common joy of his father over the return of his brother and his father's son. In fact, he goes so far in his jealousy to accuse the father of unfairness. He is blind to the providences that the father has given him because he sees only his rights, the things that he is owed for having stayed. He wants his father to give him a party that he can enjoy with only his friends and not the rest of the household, not joining the common celebration of the father. Since the brother who stayed and worked did so out of pride, he does so not because he is like his father who is humble and generous and loving, but rather this jealous man desires recognition with his own banquet, excluding those who are not part of his inner circle. And then we come to the Father. What is he like? The Father shows us the patience, forgiveness, and joy of our Heavenly Father. For these are the three greatest characteristics of divine love. Patience, forgiveness, and joy. 
And all that is real love is a participation in that divine love. All the actions of the Father, when the prodigal returns, are actions that restore and heal the Son. When he falls on his neck and he kisses him, he takes away the yoke of his sin. He takes away and makes him a holy person by this action. His nakedness is clothed with a spiritual wisdom. He calls all the servants who are like the angels in heaven to minister to him and restore him, to wash away the filth. The ring is a token and seal of the image of him as one of his sons. He puts the ring on his finger and he puts sandals on his feet for protection from the menial sins that he has walked and trodden all over and gotten himself into, and that he may prepare himself to be fully his son. And the fatted calf that is slaughtered is the participation that we have in our Father's heavenly and divine mysteries which he has given us in the church. This is what the fathers see in that quick sequence of all the Father's actions. It is what the church has given to us, and that blending of heaven and earth that we see here in this building. This is what the Father desires to give to all the prodigal sons, and we could say he even desires to give to the son who stayed and worked, if he would receive it. Imagine how the brother could have reacted to the return of the prodigal. He could have seen his returned brother reconciled, clothed, shod, honored with a ring, and again, his father's son. He could have seen his father's joy and the rest of the household in celebration as he returned and been filled with the same joy. He could have seen all this and walked right into the celebration, embraced his brother, welcomed him, and sat at his father's table. But instead, he pulls his father aside, he chastises his father for restoring the prodigal, and seeks a celebration for himself with just him, him and his friends. You see how the brother who stayed is little different than the prodigal before his repentance. In fact, he is even more stuck, feeling vindicated by his deeds and has no thought of becoming like his father or even serving his father as that holy thought that the prodigal had. There is no repentance in that brother's soul. My brothers and sisters, we will have many opportunities in our times to be and welcome those prodigals into the church, to be the sibling that is not present as a character in this parable, but one who clearly Christ is pointing for us to be and become. The whole parable is given for those in this room who work the fields of our Heavenly Father, yet we may be far from being like him when sinners return. Blessed Theophilact, who has this beautiful commentary on this, says that this, the point of this whole parable is this, to instruct them, meaning all of those who could hear, not to be disgusted at the reception of sinners, even if they themselves may be righteous in action, this is not enough. Let no one be annoyed at the judgments of God, but rather let him be patient with apparent sinners who prosper and who are being saved. For how do we know if one thinks as of a sinner that he has not repented? 
but on this account is being received for this repentance. But what if he has hidden virtues in him, on which account God is well pleased to receive him kindly? This is our attitude that we're supposed to have, that St. Theophilact is telling us, and that Christ is telling us in that hidden way by showing us two wrong ways to react to the Father's love. The parable is one of great hope for those who have fallen and who have wasted their heavenly gifts, scattering them on base things and earning only emptiness and the company of a pig pen in return. The Father in heaven desires your return and your restoration. He wants to give you all that he made you to be. His wealth is endless and his treasury of gifts is without end. We will see many people fallen from the dignity of their created state into the prideful torment of a life by the impatient and short-lived desires and pleasures of fleshly life. We will see them come. We will see many becoming children of God, obtaining wisdom, being protected in the gospel of salvation, and eating at the Father's table. Many we would not ourselves perhaps chosen to dine at our tables. We are called to kiss and embrace and share that same meal with them, rejoicing with the Father at their restoration. We will see some return and some come for the first time. Let us be watchful as the Father was watchful for his Son. We also must see both sons within ourselves in various ways. There is never a time where a good Christian is not the prodigal in some way and does not have to struggle against the sin of the son who stayed because of his pride. He stayed in pride. Both, pride is the root for both and is the root for impatient squandering and the jealous desire. So dear ones, search your heart, look at your life, ask, where have I cut myself off from my kinsmen and my heavenly father's joy? Turn from that. Begin to become like the Father in his embracing love, forgiveness, and generosity. Ask, where in my life am I like the prodigal, scattering myself among wasteful rubbish of empty pleasure, discovering that you will come to yourself and find and seek God's answer. Come, be restored, and be healed by the Father in the confession that clothes and reclothes us again to our state, just like the prodigal returned to his father. Come to the Father's banquet, offered to the prodigal and faithful laborer alike. Do not let the sins of jealousy and miserliness, nor the shame of all that I have done and wasted, block you from seeking the Father's house. He will restore you and say, Come to my table. Take, eat, that you were dead, you that were dead and are now made alive. You who have kept my commands and labored, Come, drink of this, my table, in the joy of this day. Amen.